The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff as PJ Conrad joins us today with trade offs. I said, what are we going to talk about today? I mean, there's nothing going on news wise. <laughs> Where as, do you start, right? Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, it's all done tongue in cheek, folks. As we look at the Pro Farmer Tour um, made their way from South Dakota into Nebraska over into Iowa. We know that Tonight they'll have a meeting in Rochester, Minnesota. Tomorrow will be the grand unveiling of all the final numbers. But it's been interesting following this tour. Spots that we didn't think might be real good are kind of showing us good, and then there's some not so good spots. Yeah, I thought the main t- or one of my main takeaways so far was South Dakota. I kind of questioned on that USDA report, especially where they're only three bushel lower than what they were last year in uh, primary part of their you know kind of garden spot of their state was a lot of prevent plant. I think one of the bigger takeaways so far has been is the maturity of this crop, and it's definitely behind. There's no doubt about that. The question is, is how is it going to finish out? So you go back to that USDA number 169, and if that's using uh, a perfect end of the growing season, you can say the potential is there in a lot of this. Iowa, I mean, I'd like to know what it takes for Iowa to raise a bad crop of corn, and same with Nebraska at this point. I mean, we both have ripped out some good yields and some really some good-looking corn, and not to say there's not bad spots or prevent plant. Everybody knows there is. But at the end of the day, you know, any, anything you've read on, on Twitter kind of following this whole pro-farmer tour is these meetings have been tense. I think that speaks to the state of agriculture and also the, the state of the American farmer right now. Uh, whether he has a lot sold or not, I mean, and I'm not going to debate that because um, it hurts no matter what when you see a drop and it's, it's tied to a USDA report like we had. Um, I think the bigger thing is, is just look forward and say, what can you do about it? And, and yelling at some USDA guy or discounting the pro-farmer tours numbers isn't the way to approach it. In my mind, there's a lot more mature ways to handle it. And also, I've been on the tour once, and that's not... Uh, they're not just trying to follow or, or pick the best fields or follow the USDA numbers as close as possible. Those are real samples. So maybe we hate to admit it, but maybe the USDA is, is closer than we like to admit a lot of times. And I think you nailed it right there. You know, as, as we talked and caught up with Dustin Hoffman, a fellow farm broadcaster, he came in from South Dakota, jokingly said the best corn that they saw was at the Corn Palace <laughs> because it was so bad. He says, but then as they crossed into Nebraska, things looked really great. But as they headed south headed towards Grand Island, he said you could definitely see the effects of Mother Nature. The crops weren't as big, they weren't as thick, the ears weren't there, some were still in the milk stage. I think you look at where those prevent plant numbers are, and that'd be right in line with what he saw. I mean, Merritt County is the second largest prevent plant county by acres in the state of Nebraska. Um, I don't know this for sure, but uh, Holt County is number one, but I would guess a, a Total corn acre percentage of prevent plant Merritt County has got to be probably the highest. So that being said, there, there is some great spots and there's some tough spots, and we're going to fight this all year. And the question is, is what what's trade do with it from here? Probably a tale of two different harvests, really. Um, some of that early planted stuff, no doubt, is going to be good. The later planted stuff, what's going to happen? Are we going to get a frost? Not even an early frost, but a frost at some point. So I think this corn's far enough behind and. I hate to say it, but 75 degrees and no sunshine isn't exactly pushing this crop along at all. And 
it's hard to say cooler, wetter weather is hard on the corn crop because you're probably filling some of that out better. I'm no agronomist, but is it going to hurt all the corn? No, but we could use some weeks and 90 degrees in sunshine just to advance the crop and make sure it all hits maturity. And, you know, the, the scuttle is, too, is also harvested acres. I mean, I think this year's been interesting from the fact we went to 473. I don't know if we needed to go that high, but we were trying to entice people to plant corn. And now we're sitting here at 370, and I don't know if we need to be here. But we're going to over-exaggerate things. And so you can be upset, the USDA, you can be upset with the funds that are pushing it around. But it boils down to we have a demand problem right now and we also have you know going back to ethanol and also export wise and we also have we're just good at what we do and so it's a a, it's weird to say but it is a compliment to the american farmer that he's so good at what he does he puts himself out of business well you know and there's been a lot of discussion as well you know you look at the rfs and and them talking about maybe revisiting those mandates it's almost like you know taking back what you had given somebody to try to fix a situation that's popped out. Uh, it's not like politics, right? Anything you do to keep the vo- yeah. voter base happy. And, I mean, it, whatever, we don't need to get into uh, the politics side of it, but it just seems like to walk it back now, I mean, I hope they do, and hopefully we can figure something out that is more advantageous for the ethanol market. Um, but right now, it's not looking real good. Now, Poet dropping out, as much as that is a hit in spots, you got to think they have a, a plant in southeast South Dakota. They got some out east, maybe some of the worst spots in the Corn Belt, and that's maybe why they're slowing everything down or shutting down. Um, if you're the Green Plains ADMs of the world, you're you're patting them on the back right now, saying thank you very much. We need have a supply problem here. We need somebody to step out of the game at least for the short term. So it's frustrating, obviously. We we hope everybody can get back to where it's profitable, whether it be the farm prices get back to good and. Soybeans, I mean, maybe that's the back black swan of this whole thing is how far behind they are and how little acres they have, even with no demand. Uh, if the crop's not there, we could see a nice pop out of those, too. And definitely seeing the pressure globally when it comes from soybeans. As we know, South America, I had somebody uh, text me today saying, what is going on with ripping up the Amazon and these rainforests to plant more beans to feed China? It's, uh, it's an arms race, right? So if there's demand there and China wants beans from South America because we're in a trade war, then South America is going to do what they can to be profitable, even if it's going into the coffers of a few people. So, And they got more of a um, – their political regime is not too worried about the Amazon currently, and so they would rather tear into it and try to monetize it than have it there for other needs and other, other things in the world. So we're definitely in some interesting times. Um, you know, fun part is we're at election year coming up, so things are all going to get more interesting. Exactly. Well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up. We'll finish up on the grains. Jump over to the livestock. It is the Thursday edition of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As PJ Conrad joins us, we started talking soybeans. And I wanted just to kind of talk about them because really there hasn't been a lot of excitement. You know, the margins pretty much for the crush have been pretty positive. They're just kind of there. They are. And it, outside, I mean, it's been a weird uh, weird day for them for sure. A 15-cent range to be up this morning and, and actually close five lower. Uh, frustrating to see that as being demand. I mean, domestically is good. Our exports are horrible across the board, and, and I was going to mention this on corn, too. 
Uh, but just to give you some highlights on where we're at as far as new crop sales, so this 2019 crop, how far behind when people talk about demand being off, we're at 14-year lows on new crop sales and 13-year lows on soybean new crop sales. So that's pretty rough to think at this time of year we're that far behind from the last 15 years, essentially. We're putting in some of the, the our lowest export numbers we've had. So moving forward, we're going to need some sort of demand there. And I think the caveat to it is African swine flu has definitely hurt the demand. That's a beat-up story. And you know maybe if we had a deal with China, things would be going a little bit smoother. But we're both pretty dug in there. Um, like we said with the election year, maybe you get a little bit more of a spurt to it. But sitting here today, it's it's hard to find a real good reason why beans should go higher other than the fact that they have 76 million acres planted and, and very far behind that if any kind of weather event were to happen or yield is simply being off, maybe you could see a pretty big jump in the beans. It's always funny you kind of look for those black swan events or things in the market that nobody's looking for or seem off, but it would appear right now maybe beans can could potentially be a leader if we had some sort of weather issue where we could dramatically cut into their carryout. Now, South America's sitting on a boatload, sure, but the over-exaggeration in markets happens all the time. So that's going to be fun to watch moving forward. I mean, really the next two months and how we finish this crop off is going to be fun and exciting to see how it all plays out and hope everyone the best from a yield standpoint. But we could sure use a, a price jump. Wouldn't hurt anyone's feelings either. You know, the bright spot's been cattle kind of this week, finally bouncing yep. back and being up almost a dollar. So, you know, we got D's trading at 106.25, and that's really – a. We were down to 104 for a while. The low was 103. So it's like finally some positivity there. And, and really, you look at the chart, maybe you go back and fill some of those gaps that when we had the fire, we were at like 111 that day going home. Hopefully, make some moves back to that. A $5 rally would sure help the, the cattle producer too. So I think you look at, you know, we were talking about it off air, just talking about how the state of agriculture and everybody everybody's at higher tension this year, no doubt. Um, it definitely feels like the 2019 has taken a toll on everyone from a, you really go back to last harvest and how wet it was and how much that drug on to a wet spring to prevent plant and having good prices where you kind of felt good about it. And now this drop and sitting here at harvest and yeah, your yields might be good, but it's such a have and have not scenario this year where there are a lot of really bad spots out there that if you're on the have-nots, not only are you dealing with a poor price, at this point you're also dealing with probably some poor yields, and that just adds insult to injury. So, um, again, it's been a tough year, but keep grinding through it, and, and you never know. You look at Deese Corn, you go back to last year, we went down to 343, and I think that was mid-September last year, and then rallied back to uh, 380 by middle of October. We got some gaps in that Deese corn chart that kind of lend its way back to the mid 390s, and then also uh, the moving averages are right around 4 to 405. So hopefully we're forming a bit of a bottom here, and seasonally speaking, we will form a bottom here in the next two three weeks and rally off that into harvest. So I guess the biggest thing is if you were bullish two months ago, not really anything's changed except for a, a report came out that maybe said we had more corn out there than what we anticipated, but. It, Go ahead. If you were bullish about prevent plant and an early frost and maturity and late planted yields, all those things are still on play. It's just a matter of where they come from. Do they come from non-harvested acres or do they come from a yield issue? You talked about the cattle a little bit, and I'm wondering, are you seeing the, the discussion now coming out of Washington, D.C. as they watch Tyson and they talk about you know the, the pace of the slaughter that's going on? Does it surprise you 
that those on the Hill are kind of keeping an eye on it? You know, it's it's crazy, uh, and I always just thought maybe getting older you pay more attention to politics and it all kind of comes full circle, but it does. It is surprising to see in, in kind of the ethanol deal, too, just how much of this is all tied together and how much central United States means to people in Washington, whether they want to admit it or not. Um, and then they're not always pandering for votes, but I think there's obviously things said that they want to do for the farmer and they want to do for the central U.S., but it, you got to put your money where your mouth is, and I do think really this week when we saw everything come out with the small uh, refiner waivers and all of that, the uproar, the pushback from our representatives at uh, local level to state level pushing back on the government and then hearing some things out of the administration of, of what we can do, do, what they can do different to maybe take some of the back. Now, the damage has been done in the short term, but hopefully in the long term there's brighter days ahead. So uh, just like the weather out, we'll catch a day where it's 90 again in sunshine, but right now it's 75 and cloudy. Real quick, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, you can call us at 402-858-7501. Check us out at gotradeus.com or go trade us on any social media platform. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the World Radio Network. Thank you, Susan, for that. The Fontenelle Final Bell, available as a podcast as well, krvn.com. You can find the link at KRVN on Facebook as well, KRVN's Twitter page. So follow, like, and listen there, right there, to all Rural Radio Network programming. And again, catch the Fontenelle Final Bell podcast, uh, available probably a little after the 3 o'clock hour, available at krvn.com. Coming up, we've got a check of weather, and then, of course, at 20 till top of the hour, we'll move into one of my favorite programs. It's auction time. You're listening to 880 KRVN.